As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. I'm very excited about when I look uh, out of the skyline to see the development of the, the building that's been going on in our city and thinking it's a slow town. It lives somewhat under the smoky shadow of Chicago, um, but it seems like this is its moment. So we're converging at a time when this could be Milwaukee's big moment to really stand up because it's such a magnificent place to live. From the Fox 6 studios, this is definitely Milwaukee. Conversations with the movers and shakers that put our slice of Wisconsin on the map in the worlds of entertainment, business, sports, and more. I'm Carl Deffenbaugh. Milwaukee's Moment. That's how Michael Pink describes what he's seeing around our city. As the longest-serving artistic director in the history of Milwaukee Ballet, he's responsible for plenty of that growth in the arts and entertainment scene. We caught up with the renowned choreographer at the brand-new Baumgartner Center for Dance in the Third Ward to discuss what drew him to Milwaukee from his native England, the magic of shows like The Nutcracker, and how he creates story and narrative in his choreography without being able to rely on dialogue or song lyrics. Plus, we'll have the Fox six-pack of questions with Chief Meteorologist Rob Haswell, but first, let's get to the point with Michael Pink. We are joined by Michael Pink here in the absolutely glittering new Baumgartner Center for Dance. I better get that right because you guys put a lot of work into uh, getting this here. (laughs) The home of Milwaukee Ballet as of uh, earlier this fall and really an amazing example, a physical example of what the company and the ballet has meant to Milwaukee over now 50 years as you guys are celebrating. First of all, Michael, thank you very much for uh, joining us. My pleasure, my pleasure. Many of the times that you and I have interacted on uh, wake-up segments and whatnot, you've gotten me dressed up in mouse costumes or nutcracker costumes, so this is just regular attire, all yes, audio. Yeah. For well, this. he says it's regular attire, but you can't see. But let me know. The listeners will never know what I'm actually doing. <laughs> what has this space meant to you guys as you're only a few months into kind of settling in and getting used to all yeah. that you have now here in the third world? Well, it's a, it's a game changer. It's totally a game changer for us. Just in physical space, we have about 53,000 square foot of space here. Our prior location had a really sort of mid-20,000 of usable space. So with that, we have space that we can expand our school programs. It certainly gives us a lot more opportunities when we're actually scheduling time. Uh, all of the studios are very generous in size. Uh, the one we're sat in here now, high ceilings, big open space, lots of natural light, wonderful new sprung floors, which means that that protects the dancer as they're jumping and moving around. And it's just, it's just a healthier place to be. 
you know, obviously it's, it meets all of the standard requirements for ADA compliance, but the, the quality of the air and the ventilation system, all those things that you expect from a new building we're here and there are an abundance of washrooms <laughs> which is, if uh, anybody's been to thing, our yes. if you've been to our prior building you would know there was always a queue <laughs> gotta keep people happy and that's a nice change i'm sure uh so many people are familiar with the ballet from what they see on stage and your amazing performances that you guys put on you mentioned the school and some of the other things though what does this mean for for the city of milwaukee because this touches far more than just the company this is so many you're right i mean kids. throughout the uh, first part of our campaign our the first part of our campaign raise the money to be able to build this building. The second part is something we'll talk about in a minute. But it certainly became very clear from the beginning that this was a major part of the civic identity of our city. That yes, you if you don't know about the ballet, if you don't know about the opera or the symphony, then you know, you're certainly missing something, but it's not the end of the world. But if uh, you want to raise the profile of any of these organizations, you need an institute to be able to do it. This building represents a major commitment to the arts from our donors. It says to people outside that this, the civic identity of our city uh, values uh, a, a good ballet company, an excellent ballet company, is the same as it values a wonderful symphony, and that once Symphony Hall is built, you'll see again that it elevates the whole status of the city nationally and internationally. I think this building will help us recruit more people to the company, people of quality who will, who will want to come and see and work in a place like this. And in doing so, then they get the opportunity to discover this amazing city, which still to this day uh, is something that is is a jewel, a total jewel. And that's kind of a, a positive snowball effect that, oh, that continues I mean, to totally, grow. Totally, totally. As we sit here with this polar vortex outside <laughs> yeah. the windows. <laughs> got to put a spin uh, on the snow got... somehow because it's sitting outside the windows. <laughs> but it does. You're absolutely right. This city has so much to offer. And still after my 17 years here, I feel like there is still so much untapped uh, potential in this city. And having having a wonderful ballet company here in the third ward with this handsome building overlooking the Italian community center near to the lake is really, really going to make a statement to people who visit our city. And, and in particular next year when we're going to have so many people focusing on our city. Um, these, these are the kind of buildings that will really stand out and speak to our civic identity. I'm looking forward to asking you all sorts of questions about the international flair of the company and your background as yeah. well. But uh, we are at an interesting time of the calendar with so many people, I'm sure, getting their tickets for the Nutcracker and ready to see their their December tradition that you guys put on each yeah. and every year. Um, yes, yeah, the tradition. It's the, that's uh, that's the key word about this. It's tradition, and, and wherever there is tradition, then you know there are people who are totally invested in wanting to preserve that tradition uh, for themselves, for their family, for future generations. So it's always a pleasure to present. Uh, the Nutcracker. It's as a production. It's a very challenging production for the company as artists and dancers, but deliberately so, because we do nineteen, twenty performances of this one production. Uh, so it gives the opportunity for the dancers to grow artistically and otherwise, um, and it again brings in an audience who feel familiar with the, the material. They know what to expect, yeah. so they come with that in mind and it and it just I, it really adds to the festive mood and to their holiday holiday traditions whether it's someone who sees it each and every year it's a family tradition maybe for them or perhaps going for the first time this year what's maybe a, an inside nugget you can tell us about what it takes to put on the production part of the show that you, that you find particularly captivating something they should look out for if they see it well certainly that we the fact that we have you know over 160 of the Milwaukee Valley School and Academy children each year are involved in the performance so there's two things there 
I've seen uh, the, those little girls that came in, or little boys that came in and were angels in the beginning of Act 2, have now grown up and they become party kids and then they become the babushka kids and then they become rats and, and toy soldiers and they get to do the entire sort of journey through the Nutcracker. So that's always exciting as you see those kids growing and their love of dance continuing and their involvement in this. And then it's to, to think of the opportunity for Milwaukee Ballet Orchestra to play Tchaikovsky's amazingly popular and beautiful music each year. That each year the, the children's choir join us, the Milwaukee Children's Choir, you add that layer on and then you, you have all of the activities pre-show and during the show which are front of house and, and that amazing boutique area where you can buy all the sparkly things that every kid needs. Of course. I have a nutcracker that we're ready to get out of the, uh, the well, closet. Well, you ready. do <laughs> and with your young daughter. Uh, that's just going to continue now. But you're <laughs> going to be buying things every time you come to Nutcracker. So I think uh, it definitely gives me an opportunity to see the company grow this year I have six new dancers in the company so the process of teaching the production normally we have about two and a half weeks to put it back together. And you were telling me six is actually, that's a large amount of turnover. It is and and we expected this because um, uh, we've had such a degree of loyalty over the years that I've been here with dancers who came from our MB2 program which is our pre-professional program who came studied with us for two years and then came into the company so uh, really at one point a good 50% of our company came through that that um, feeder company, which gives me huge amount of confidence in who these artists are, what we are, the relationship we built with them. And that transfers onto the stage. And I think over the years, people have seen this incredibly strong, unique company through the identity of these individuals. As they have gotten to a point in their career where they no longer wish to or could dance any longer. They've all gone on to do exciting things, but it means that we have to then bring in the next the next team. And this last season was a particularly hard year because we lost a significant amount of those original dancers. Love each and every one of them, a debt of gratitude, but they've now got six new dancers. So the Nutcracker process now becomes about teaching those six mm. new dancers the many roles. Um, and unlike the theater and the opera and the symphony, if you're in a ballet company and a major production such as Nutcracker, you don't just learn one role. You probably learn in the region of four to five different roles that you will play on alternating nights throughout the run of the performance. So that's the hard part is, is downloading this vast amount of information and then rehearsing them to the level and standards that I would expect them to be. Interesting. Uh, you mentioned the 17 years longest running artistic director here in the history of uh, Milwaukee Ballet. And in case you can tell from the accent, you're a native of Alabama. No, <laughs> not exactly. Absolutely. From across the pond uh, in England, uh, a very accomplished dancer yourself uh, for much of your career. What was it initially that brought you to Milwaukee and that attracted you to this role? It was, well, the role of being an artistic director is something that I'd been doing for a decade and a half prior to coming here. I was looking for a place um, outside of England. I wanted to leave England. I always felt a, a yearning to come and work here. I'd, I'd been working here on and off for many years prior to that, mainly in Colorado and Atlanta. Um, and so this job came up and out, just out of curiosity. I applied and found out more about the company. And at the same time, I was also being considered for Boston Ballet. 
Um, so I was I was over here looking looking for work. Uh, the Boston Ballet job I got through to the it was myself and the current director. They chose the other chap, and at the same time they offered me the job here. And this felt like a place where I could make a difference. There, again, we I talk about potential all the time. There was huge potential here for the support of the company, for the potential of what the company could become. And this building we're sat in here was a major part of what I wanted to achieve for this organization is to move them up the ladder, move them into a bigger, uh, more, more visible position. So that's all part of the potential I think I could see back then. And now it's about realizing it. I've still got lots more to do for the company, lots more that I'd like to see the company do. Um, and it just seems that those 17 years <laughs> flown by. They flew by so quickly. Um, did you um, expect it to be that long? Or did you absolutely expect not. Absolutely not, I thought. And because, you know, again, you work in this job, you work on three or five year contracts. So they give you a three year contract, then a five year. So you, like you see, uh, totally, <laughs> totally. And depending on the company remaining healthy and alive, you, you project only that far out. So the big one was I have uh, two children that have grown up here. Um, and so we never really thought seriously about where are they going to go to school. So they went to a Montessori school in the beginning. Then we got to that point and we went, hmm, better think seriously about this. So then we had to move house to get into Shorewood because we wanted our kids to go to Shorewood. Um, and so we've, you know, we've moved three or four times since we came here as well. So, and each time we move, we fool ourselves into thinking, oh, it's a new beginning. We've never been here before. <laughs> so um, incidentally, we're trying to sell our house again now because <laughs> we need a market, smaller house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has, what has surprised you about Milwaukee over the years? I imagine there, a lot's changed in terms of the arts community in 17 years. But what surprised you about the city in general and the audience you found here? Well, I, I wouldn't say surprise because I had a sneaky feeling that with the with the, the strong European influence that has always been a part of Milwaukee and the whole, you know, the, the immigration, uh, the level of immigration that came into the city in the mid 1900s and, and started to build the heavy industry, I always felt. I felt that here by looking at the architecture, looking at around at the communities and how they'd grown up. So I felt there was a European influence here that to me would say was going to be tough. It would be tough to maybe get in to gain people's confidence, but that's very English. It takes a long time before you're invited to actually sit at the dining table and speak. So I, I knew I would have to be patient. Um, and that's definitely paid off. Again, the level of support for this building um, and for the company has grown through building that trust and that loyalty that comes with it and the responsibility of maintaining the relationships. But I think um, I'm very excited about when I look uh, out of the skyline to see the development of the, the building that's been going on in our city and thinking it's a slow town. It lives somewhat under the smoky shadow of Chicago, um, but it seems like this is its moment. So we're converging at a time when this could be Milwaukee's big moment to really stand up because it's such a magnificent place to live and as you're about to find out to bring up children and to, and to have a home. If we could just have slightly lower property taxes, I'd be happier <laughs> and I'm sure a lot of other people would. But the quality of life here seems to be good. So um, I'm, I'm never ceased to be amazed at um, the amount of people who come into the city go, ooh, Milwaukee, and then 
they're still here. Yep. And they're loving it. It's funny, Milwaukee's moment seems to be a theme of uh, all the interviews that we've done from people from a variety of different backgrounds, but it's neat to hear that yeah. from you as well. Yeah. Um, you mentioned some of the European flavor, of course, from Milwaukee. The company has international flavor. Oh. And how has that worked over the years? I imagine that's the case with many different ballet companies, but what is it like attracting dancers from all around the world and introducing them to Milwaukee mm. and getting them to, to want to come here? It's, um, it's, a, it's a gamble. I mean, in terms of um, how, who, who who would want to come to Milwaukee? Why would they want to come here? Um, a large proportion of dancers have come here, if I may say so, because they wanted to work with me and my style of, of dance. But it's really been um, dancers who come maybe for the summer program. We do a six-week program, and some of the dancers will show an interest in wanting to be in the second company, and they, can, they could come from all, all around the world. And so that you build those relationships. I mentioned... Um, raising the profile of the organization. This building, I hope, will do that, um, both nationally. So uh, other dancers around the country will go, wow, look at Milwaukee Valley's new home. I'd like to go and see that. And then if they come, the magic of the city might grab them. And then they'll say, oh, if I'm good enough, I'd like to stay here, even though the, though the lure of Chicago is 70 miles away and, and the east and west coast isn't that far apart. So I'm hoping that we can build a stronger uh, representation here because you're right every ballet company in the world is an international company dancers come from all around the world again it, it, we would have m more dancers more dancers from different countries if we could secure the work visas work visas are no easier for us in the arts as they are for many other people um, and, and have become harder of recent so we've we've lost the opportunity to work with some extraordinary dancers from other parts of the world because we cannot secure their O1 uh, mm. visa um, and I wish we could because all every time an artist comes and works in a place, they make a real investment in the community. They make this their home. They are a part of the community. They're ambassadors for our organization, but I truly believe they, they really represent our city very well when they're here and, more importantly, when they go back to their country and, or their part of the states. Um, they talk with great affection about Milwaukee here, this home, and, and what the value of being here. One of the things that I've been very much looking forward to asking you, because it doesn't quite fit in a, a short two- or three-minute TV interview like many of the times mm, we, we've yeah. met before, is the concept of, of creating a story through dance. As, as someone myself who's very ignorant, not a very talented dancer, as you've seen, unfortunately. But <laughs> well, we could work on you. There I've always go. thought hope. we could work on <laughs> you. Potential, potential. I'm fascinated by how you share narrative, how you tell a story without lyrics, without a song or dialogue to back it up. And I know so much of your career has been creating these incredibly well-received nationally, internationally reimaginings of, of popular stories beyond the Nutcracker. This would be Beauty and the Beast and Peter Pan and Dracula, yeah, like yeah, you said. Yeah. What is that process like and how do you aim to, to tell a story and make sure the audience is following character growth and things like yeah. that when all you have is the, is the I, dance? Yeah, I, I think of it as a play. Uh, and I think of it uh, also as a silent movie. So I think about the, the power of the body to express emotion. We know that you can be very physical, but you can also do something very sim simple and fragile with your picking up of something, and it can be so powerful. So I utilize the, that physicality, um, and I really just think about the words. I really, th when I'm constructing something, I'm thinking if, if this were a movie, I would have to write the script. So I do write a script for myself, uh, and that is what I use to f uh, form the information about the storytelling. So that's where I start. 
And then the actual movement, the choreography, the step part of it, evolves out of that. So I'm thinking if you and I are having this conversation, we've got to find a way of having movement that will project that conversation. And it, I can box myself in very quickly because I'm so dogmatic about saying I'm not going to allow myself to suddenly say, you can go and jump around over there and I'll jump around over here and people won't go, why are they doing yeah, that? what is happening? Yeah. So... I absolutely adhere to the, the strict rules that if we're having a conversation, it has to be a conversation. If two people are dancing together and it's a, um, a love duet or it's a confrontation or it's just a, at a, a little cocktail party, it seems arbitrary to me that we would repeat the same steps. It seems arbitrary to me that we would repeat the same steps. So it's, as I've just done, why would it make sense to repeat the same sentence? So I, again... I keep that as ever evolving. And they're simple things, but I think the other thing is just choice, as you, as you will know. Working in the theatre, working anywhere in, in an entertainment industry, um, you're usually judged by the choices you make. If you make good choices, it can go well. If you make poor ones, you're not going to yep. last very long. <laughs> so um, that becomes part of it. It's choosing the right story as well. I mean, you have to choose the story that you truly believe you can convey in nonverbal theatre. What do you look for in a story? Because many of the ones that, that yeah. you've done have been some of the more popular over over history, yeah. whether it's film or written yeah. word. Or I think anything. I think two things. You, you're either gearing something that you know this uh, this is commercial, but that you can use the children in the school. So you want something that gives opportunity, like Beauty and the Beast gave a huge amount of opportunity because we want to create that opportunity. Yeah. But in doing that, I knew, uh, for example, with that, I wanted to go back to the original Beaumont version. Um, from 1640, and and I didn't want to produce the big furry beast that that Disney has uh, has made so popular. It's all wonderful, but I didn't want to go there because it, it that didn't appeal to me. I wanted to go and discover something else about it. So I approached it in a more um, grown-up way. Um, I wanted to appeal to our adult audience as much as I wanted to appeal to the little kids. And that seems to be the balance. I know that my material has to have a broader appeal uh, to it. But at the same time, it has to be ultra-theatrical. The lighting always has to be telling the story. The music always has to be telling the story. That's the important thing. All the productions I've done, other than Nutcracker and Swan Lake and Giselle, have uh, commissioned scores. So I get the privilege of working with a composer where we write the music together as we're talking about the story so that if I close my eyes and I listen to the music, I can see the story I want to tell. So visualizing is very important as well. If I can visualize it, I can bring it to life. If I can't visualize it, it goes away. Fascinating. I imagine too for the dancers, both in terms of as you're evaluating people to bring into the company, but then also working through Mm. the initial rehearsals and practices, there's a difference between maybe being technically proficient talented in that respect, but then also being able to convey a character and, and share that emotion as you're... Totally. Moving. I mean, it's, uh, you have instinctive, people who are instinctive actors, and you can tell them a, a mile apart, you just see the choice they make is an honest one, and it seems absolutely rational and correct in that circumstance. And there are other people who are so locked into their dance technique, they can only think in dance technique. So I'm working now with these new people, unlocking their potential or or being able to even evaluate their potential as an actor is a major part of what I do now. And then the hard part is I'm trying to make them accelerate through to something believable in a very short amount of time. Well, being an actor will take years and years of study at college and then in, in the art of acting. So I'm kind of asking them to do a lot 
What helps is, again, if the, the majority of the company are people who've been here a long time, then they, these new people come in and they go, oh, oh, I get it, I see, and I feel safe doing something. Because ultimately, you're going to feel silly and very vulnerable and exposed the first time you do it because you've been told to be the classical dancer that stands quietly in these extreme positions. And, and the other thing is, please don't think, because we don't want you to think. We want you to just be a vacuous tool that jumps around and does beautiful things. And I'm saying, no, 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 no. You have to be thinking something in your head and you have to be responding. So as we learn Nutcracker, I say to the new people, you will have to speak to this person next to you in the party scene. You will have to have a dialogue. I don't mind what you talk about. You just have to talk. Mm. And you'll see how even that can become a challenge. But once they've done it, then they go, oh, I get it. Yeah, it gives them the license to be real. Yeah. And as soon as they're busy being real, they're not standing in these strange positions and they're not detached from the story. And that grows into this incredible confidence that gives us the party scene from Nutcracker, which everybody loves because it's so real. Yeah, it looks like you're actually at that party. Absolutely, yes. Like yeah. And it's also the the, uh, the great thing as people come back year upon year upon year and see that scene, they're convinced it's all new. Because fundamentally, people are living in the moment and doing something that is real at that moment. Structure is the same. The steps are the same. Music is the same. It just has yeah. its unique, it's living, a piece of living art. Ah, that's fascinating. I, I love <laughs> getting into the process of people who are much smarter than me yeah. <laughs> about creating things like that. Um, this is a, a very separate topic, but you guys had a, a really, I thought, smart and, and thoughtful response to something that kind of made national headlines when a, a television host from one of the uh, oh, national yes, shows yeah. made a kind of offhand flippant yeah. comment about yeah. uh, men and boys specifically in dance. And you guys did an amazing job Thank celebrating you. the male dancers yeah. that you have and celebrating yeah. the, the students that you have coming up through the program. And again, encourage, thank you for that, uh, and encouraging people to just say, you know what, it's all right. You should be able to. If you're, if you're a young chap and you want to just come and see what it's about, you should walk through the door and say, hey, I'm interested, and we will always give you an opportunity to to be a part of this. Um, and it still it amazes me to this day how many young people still want to be dancers with all the other options and all the other things you can do and the things you can you can do from home on your computer and the skills you can pick up by by studying and using your computer. There is still thousands and thousands of young people in this country and all around the world who want to make dance their life. Yeah. And uh, that's obviously that's very encouraging for me. But to see so many boys, we do a relevé program here, which we've done for years, which is with Milwaukee Ballet and Milwaukee Public Schools. And each year, you see this collection of of young people, um, and a, such a large proportion of young guys that are in there doing doing that class, which is really encouraging. Yeah. Because when it first started, it was maybe one, and now it's. That's cool. That's cool to, to do it. And it's so physical. And you know, it's, Well, that's one of the things from getting to watch you guys kind of up close and in person in some rehearsals yeah. and segments we've done. It's incredible, the athleticism yeah. that's yeah. required for many of these. Things. It is, and it's endurance. A lot of this is endurance because if you run a marathon, you learn the endurance of being able to breathe and pace yourself to run those, that great distance. If you're running the 100-yard dash, you've got to focus on 100 yards. And then you can fall over and go, <gasps> well, we don't allow that on stage because it's really <laughs> off-putting. But you have to sustain six hours of work during the day and then your three-hour performance or whatever it may be. So it's a, it's a different kind of physical fitness. Uh, and it's, it's one that's a team sport. Being in a, yeah. being in a dance company is a team sport. You have to work together. And when you need to be in straight lines, you're in straight lines. When you need to be supporting your fellow dancers in, in whatever, you're part of that team. Yeah. 
the production is only as good as the team. One of the reasons I brought that up, I, I read something in uh, reading some articles about you uh, in preparation for this that <laughs> I hadn't known before. Coming up in England, were you yourself bullied when you first got into dance? Totally. Anybody that knows that Billy Elliot story, which was set in the north of England in the 60s and the mining, that was totally, totally my up- upbringing. And the choice to be a dancer was was grew out of just an interest in theatre. I always wanted to be in theatre. I have no recollection of ever wanting to do anything else. But I didn't know which side of theatre. And when I saw a dance performance, I asked my mum, I said, how how tricky is that? Could I do that? She said, of course you could. So I went along, and I was the only boy. And the teacher was reluctant to teach me initially. She said, boys are not really interested in dance. But I stuck it out. And as soon as kids at school found out I was doing it, they would wait for me and gang up and beat you know beat me up for no reason other than clearly I was some sort of queer as a coot guy and I was always tall and I was always a bit skinny and gangly but um, and again I kept it secret I kept it quiet and it was actually only when my mum accidentally saw me take my t-shirt off and all these bruises that she sort of said you know we need to do something about that. And so they changed me and they, they sent me to more liberal school where arts was, uh, even at that point, arts were, were beginning to be an interesting option for people. Uh, but uh, shortly after that, I went to the Royal Ballet School, which was to train to be a dancer. Yeah. I imagine then a, a comment like that being made in 2019, that had to be incredibly frustrating yeah. for you yeah. to say, really, we're still here. Oh, uh, no, totally, totally, totally. And yeah, that level of, uh, of just lack of knowledge and, yeah. and sheer ignorance. Yeah. about so many things we're always looking to uh, to i guess to devalue what other people do but it usually comes from a point of uh, pure ignorance yeah. and um so better if you don't know anything not to say anything yeah and we're in your guys case celebrate and, and yeah. lift people up as uh, yeah, well and, yeah and lift people up and and show that with this within this new building if you come around this building now anytime after three fifteen, you will see an incredible array of kids from all over yeah. the city and and as many boys as as you could want who are enjoying what they're doing and if they make it their life so be it and we'll be responsible for giving them a very best start if they don't they'll always cherish the time they can i was a ballet dancer i went to ballet school what did you do oh, i kicked a football around or, or i didn't do anything you know so they're going to have a unique experience We've mentioned a lot about uh, kind of looking back at both the ballet's history. I'm sure celebrating the the opening of this building was a, a little bit of a turning point, celebrating 50 years, but also looking into the future. Mm-hmm. So as we wrap up this conversation, I'd be curious, what's next for you? What's next for the company? What what excites you about the next year, the next five, Well, a couple years? of good. Thank you. I'm glad you I'm glad you gave me that segue because um, we didn't mention the 50th. But um, yeah, 50 years, incredible, just uh, the, for the company to be celebrating that whilst we move into a new building. So how fortuitous was that? Uh, part one of our campaign was to build this building. Part two, the public side of our campaign, which we just launched, is to raise funds for new work and for a give back part of our campaign. The give back simply is we want to be able to work with the community to be able to make sure that finances are not a barrier to getting people into the building or us going out and working in the community. The new work part is focusing on a new nutcracker. Mm. Our current one is old, very old, coming up 20 years. So we're projecting, we're hoping that in 2021 we will be able to put a new production on stage. Um, everybody just trust me. 
I was I say, will, there's lots of palpitations from the <laughs> no, folks who new, love oh, your no, no, no. I the greatest. It's going to be a, such a combination of nostalgia and tradition and the values that I know people hold dear about Nutcracker. All of that will be there. Even more magic. Even more of the kind of magic that I can create if I can start from scratch with all the new scenery and the new costumes. The music is still Tchaikovsky's. There'll still be the children's choir singing. There'll still be lots of our students on stage. I'm just hoping I'll make an even more magical, well, I'm not even hoping, I'm confident. <laughs> I'm going to make an even more magical uh, journey. And it's and I'm using Drosselmeyer's Imaginarium. I love the word Imaginarium. It's going to be a, a flight of fantasy that is from the very get-go to the end. It's going to take you on an even more exciting journey than we have now. So we're hoping that people will contribute and help us do that financially. Um, and the company really uh, is poised to be able to do performances, uh, quieter performances, smaller performances here in this center. We have a performance space. We're just going to continue to grow uh, thoughtfully and to continue to make sure that we're building um, sustainability and a, and a project and a company and an organization that will live another 50 years. Yeah. I think if anyone has seen one of your productions, they know uh, their favorite stories in good hands for 2021. <laughs> thank you so much for all the okay, time. Okay, thank you. Thank you. It is time now for the Fox 6 pack of questions, a chance to get to know the folks that you see in here every day on Fox 6. And I am have the honor of being joined by the chief meteorologist and uh, my cohort on Wake Up, Rob Haswell. Thank hey. you. I knew I'd make the podcast one day. You finally a long time it. career yeah. aspiration. You can check this off the box and add it to the resume. All right, wow. we're going to ask you all sorts of questions that have nothing to do with your forecasting abilities and oh, all the like. But handy. very quickly, uh, when did you start here, Rob? And oh wow, uh, yeah, well, November of two thousand and five. So I guess fourteen years ago. Wow. All right, yeah. we're celebrating a milestone. Yeah. Uh, besides the job and obviously the chance to work at a great station and mm-hmm. great team in the weather department, what drew you to Milwaukee in the first place? Um, you know what's weird is I, uh, Milwaukee's had a weird, like, kind of subplot in my life for a while. I loved Happy Days and Laverne and Shirley growing up as a kid, which, like, if you talk to locals, is not necessarily a bragging point <laughs> for the city, but I uh, loved it. I thought Milwaukee was a huge, like, megaopolis because they, all the cool shows were based yeah. there, right? Um, and then I always have had a fondness for Henry Winkler, who starred in a movie that was shot in my hometown of Alora, Ontario, uh, an American carol i think it was called it was like a, a christmas carol but like yeah. an american spin on it uh so he came to my little tiny town in the middle of nowhere so it was like a weird connection there that was milwaukee and then and you're gonna love this part uh when i was in toronto and we were looking at going south of the border i had a psychic say that you know your first job will be in upstate new york but somewhere in the midwest probably somewhere like milwaukee is where you're going to end up wait that's a real story a real story still have the tip. <laughs> She's flat out said you work in Rochester, and then you're probably going to work out west like Milwaukee somewhere. And that's guess weird. What? Here we are. Do you believe in that stuff? I uh, know, but uh, Tanya paid for it, so why not, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess it came. The true, funny part was it was one. her psychic reading, but it ended up being all about me. Yeah, yeah so There you go. <laughs> it it's a weird out. little that's Milwaukee an subplot story. Uh, outside of work and at home with your family and the like, where are we most likely to find you around the area? Oh, uh, probably at the local hockey rink. Yeah, I volunteer a lot of my time there to uh, help with the Ozaki Youth Hockey Association, and it's a ton of fun. I mean, it's I was never a an elite hockey player, but I grew up, you know, with the game in Canada. Obviously, if you don't 
there's, there's nobody that didn't play when I was a kid in my little town. If you didn't play, you were really bored and alone. So everybody played, and even the things that weren't hockey just became hockey. Soccer was just foot hockey. Baseball was just ball hockey. No, I mean, <laughs> but you know what I mean? It's, yeah. just, it's part of the culture, like the Packers are a part of the culture here. So it's fun to kind of share that part of my world with the locals here and and there's just a bunch of good families there so yeah if if you can't find me at home or the station i'm probably at the pretty good idea or somewhere en route from one of those three places uh what and where was the last great meal you had around the area Mm, I yeah that's all. I went to the new Foxtown Brewery. That ah. was a lot of fun. That was good. They're brand new and they had good food right out of the gates. And I think before that we were at um, Highland House. Mm, okay. And they make some great uh, enchiladas there. Nice. It was really good. You've told me about food. the Cheel place too. Cheel's really good yeah. too. Yeah, they had great soup there, and uh, they had those camel sliders <laughs> on Hump Day. Which I mean, for the pun alone, you gotta go. <laughs> got it. Got it. <laughs> yeah, Cheel's really good. There's a lot of great places yeah. around here, and. You know, the city itself is just a foodie heaven. (laughs) All right, we are uh, casting the biopic of Rob Hasler's life. Who has the honor of playing you in that movie? Who has the largest head in Hollywood? (laughs) I don't know. Some giant orange on a toothpick kind of guy. I don't know. That'd that'd be interesting. I mean, I'd be flattered if it was somebody like, you know, Leonardo DiCaprio or something. But, um, I don't know, current Hollywood, what? (laughs) That'd be a tough call right there. Let's just go with Leo. Love it. I mean, me and Leo. He's ready. It's like yeah. two sides of the same Some, I mean, walking down the hall sometimes. <laughs> I'm like, how do we book him? <laughs> how did he get? <laughs> no, it's not him. No. <laughs> All right. Uh, what is a talent or skill that we should really know about? Oh, that, that like a hidden talent Maybe. or skill? I don't know. Or I mean, that you don't get to display on air all the time. Although we see you're dancing, so you can Right. I mean, my dancing is clearly a high-level <laughs> skill. I mean, I've juggled on the air. I play the guitar sometimes. I'm not all that good at any of those things. But... Um, I don't know. Maybe my my white guy rapping skills. I'm gonna bust those out with my karaoke for the for the Fox Six. Look party. out! Look yeah. out, world! <laughs> you did do stand up though before. Or you that's have true. Done yeah, it, that's, right? yeah, that's true. I don't know how hidden that is. Yeah. I do uh, host a show every uh, once a month or so up at uh, Memories Ballroom in Port Washington. So that's a, that's a ton of fun. <laughs> yeah, improv. I did a lot of improv and sketch comedy back so in the day. Translates well to doing things off the cuff in the morning. Show there you too. go. All right, last question for you. Uh, what is the most random job you've ever had? Oh, gee. I've had a lot of weird jobs. <laughs> I was a DJ slash first mate on a sailing ship in Toronto. What? Yeah. It was... Uh, I was <laughs> so it was a sailing ship that did tours of Lake Ontario. So it was like one of those, you get your wedding on there or sure. whatever, right? And so my duties were like, I had to help raise the sails and lower the sails. So I was a first mate. But then when the <laughs> boat was on the water, which was like 90% of the time, right? You're just cruising around with the sails up. Uh, I was the DJ. So it was this weird combination of like, are you guys ready to party? And then like, lower the mainsail. Here we go. <laughs> it was it was weird. That's and it was amazing. a bunch of weird. If you want to find the weirdest people in the world, go down to the local docks because <laughs> there's all kinds of folks down there. They're coming from all over the planet. Cross section of the world. Oh, right yeah. There. But fun. Always fun people. Yeah. I spend like four and a half hours with you every morning and this has still been illuminated. I've never Thank told you, you very that story. Much. Oh, I have many stories that should not be on the podcast, but that, we'll that one's okay. For a I think. Repeat visit. Thank you, yeah. sir. <laughs> Thank you. 
That will do it for another episode of Definitely Milwaukee. I want to give one more quick thanks to Michael Pink and Rob Haswell, our first mate apparently on Wake Up, for joining us on this episode. And a huge thank you to the one person you don't hear behind the scenes, Leanne Watson, who makes all the magic happen to put together this podcast and Open Record, the podcast from the Fox 6 investigators here at the station. You can make sure to subscribe to both of those on your favorite podcast service. Leave us a rating and a review as that really helps things continue to grow here for the station and for these podcasts. And you can also download the latest episode of Definitely Milwaukee or Open Record anytime at fox6now.com.